Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Al D. This is a show designed for aspiring current and former MBAs looking for advice on how you can grow your career through an MBA degree. During each episode, I'll talk to MBA students, graduates, and leaders about the MBA experience, navigating the workplace, and career development so you can learn how to develop and achieve your own version of career success through an MBA and beyond. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast. I'm here today with Jess Stokes, who is a Wharton MBA alum. And in addition to that, she is also a podcast host. Host. She is the host of the Teach Me EdTech Podcast, and we'll certainly give her a chance to talk a little bit more about that and the process for building it. But uh, we're here today to talk and learn a little bit more about Jess's journey to Wharton, why she went and got an MBA, what she learned from the experience and everything else that's going on since. And it's really fun because I just learned that Jess and I are actually slightly close to being neighbors, but I just learned that just from talking to her. But Jess, thanks so much for being here. I'm delighted to talk to you. And I guess just to get started, my first question to you is, what were you doing before you decided to go to business school? And why did you choose to get an MBA in the first place? Yeah. I was teaching in a K-12 school. And I was teaching entrepreneurship and seeing all of my students start building their own companies. I was showing them Yahoo Finance in the middle of class and trying to teach myself all of these concepts that are core to the MBA. And eventually, I started to get really inspired by what my students were doing. And I felt like I had reached a ceiling in terms of my knowledge about the business fundamentals and how much I could teach myself. And I was just becoming so fascinated by how a company can go from a small idea that even a 16-year-old has all the way up to whatever the exit looks like, IPO. At the time, I didn't know what those terms were. So I decided to apply. It was somewhat late in the game, I would say. And my intention was really to go into business school for the fundamental education. And it ended up being so much more than what I was expecting. I really thought it was going to be coursework. And I had gone to Penn undergrad and knew it was like a really rigorous academic education. But it was very different from what I expected and so much more valuable in a lot of ways. So one more question for you there. I'm always curious about where people even learn about this thing called an MBA. And so it sounds like you were teaching, and I don't presume necessarily everyone around you was thinking about getting an MBA, but I would just be curious to know, where did this even come into the lexicon or even where it even became as a a potential possibility for that matter? Yeah, it was definitely a decision once I started telling my colleagues what I was doing, once I got in that most teachers do not pursue. So it was like really novel. And I didn't have a lot of mentors around me who had that type of experience. And so it was interesting. I discovered it on my own in a lot of ways. Like I was really motivated to, I've always been a learner. So I was taking a lot of online courses and UX design and storytelling and all of these different skills that would help me be a better teacher. And I think that's how I started thinking about, okay, maybe I should pursue a formal education here. And I had developed what I called my Masters of Stokes and and put all these cobbled together, all these online courses. And I can't remember the moment exactly when I heard about 
the MBA program, I think I may have backed into it because Penn has this really great combination program with the Graduate School of Education and the MBA. And my school was actually a field trip uh, for them. And so I started seeing what these master students were studying. They were pursuing entrepreneurship education. And I said, I think I have the education piece under my belt, at least as a starting point. I really want to do just the business side of this. And so it was a totally self-driven exploration. I did all of my own research and didn't work with an advisor and just really tried to figure it out on my own. And it worked out. So I know that you mentioned that one of the reasons why you wanted to go to business school was to really round out some of the experience and get some of that business knowledge and business acumen. Would love to know just from you, what was it like in terms of going to school and going to business school and going from being in an academic environment where you were a teacher uh, to now going back to school and being a student and certainly starting to pick up some of this business knowledge and business acumen. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you? Yes. So the transition to being a student was not hard. I've always loved being in the seat of a student. I love teaching too. And I think that they going between the two roles is actually a very easy thing for me to do. And I, and I like to do it. The part that was challenging was having no business background and going into these classrooms that sometimes it felt like it was a totally different language. I remember Googling EBITDA. I don't think I knew how to spell it. Didn't realize it was an acronym. It was just a, an entirely new world. And even for all of the assignments that we had to do to talk about previous business experiences, like in a management course, sometimes I really struggled to find something that I felt I could speak about in my previous career. And even when I did write about experiences that I had as a teacher, I was like, not quite sure if the professor's going to get this, not sure this is what they're looking for. So it took me a lot of, I think, observation and listening to get myself to a point where I started to realize I could use my strengths that I had developed as a teacher to differentiate myself and add a lot of value to the classroom. But it was a major adjustment. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And two things I would just want to sit with for a second. So the first thing is that the reality of it is that everyone comes in with a set of strengths and everyone comes in with a set of weaknesses. And that's just how life is. And I think it's great that you were able to find a way to spend that time to develop yourself and to develop the areas that you maybe didn't have as much knowledge in, but also still had the confidence to remember that you had a set of abilities and skills that were super valuable and super useful that would enable you to not only learn, but also to contribute in a lot of different ways. And I think the second thing is, you know, for, from my perspective, at least, having talked to thousands of people who have gone to business school at this point, everyone has a version of that, or I would say not everyone, but 80% uh, of the people I talk to have a version of that. It just comes in a different flavor, right? Mm -hmm. And perhaps even for someone who maybe worked in uh, business, maybe they only worked in accounting or maybe they, they knew finance, which was super, super valuable, but the six other things they never had exposure to. And so it's more just this acknowledgement that like everyone comes in as themselves and in it, you know, if you can sit with that and, and be curious about that, there's a lot of opportunities to take advantage of that. So true. I think I remember in those first couple of months, 
we kept hearing about, oh, imposter syndrome, and nobody feels like totally comfortable being here. And it's so funny, like, we really are all going through a transition, whether we know it or not. And it's not the two years. That's this is really what I've learned is the transition does not end after two years, it's just the beginning, and it's really uncomfortable. So I think that's the piece of advice I would have given myself when I was first starting out, like, nobody has it figured out. It's okay. And I think that I did really start to lean into that and got really experimental with, I'm going to recruit for a little bit of everything. I'm going to do a PE internship. Like I'm going to try to do like a whole mix of classes. And that worked really well for me and just letting go of the, I'm, I was not worried about what other people thought about what I was doing. And it was very nonlinear and that ended up being exactly what I needed. So actually, let's talk about some of those experiences. I would love to know from you, what were maybe, let's just say, two memorable or impactful experiences that you were able to take advantage of when you were in business school? Oh, gosh, just two. I had to write out a list because I was, it's been a few years. I was trying to think back. Let's see if I had to pick two. I'll bundle, I'll cheat a little bit and bundle two experiences together. So anything that was like a consulting-based class, like where I was working with a client, so the Philadelphia Zoo, or we worked with like a multinational bank to build a digital transformation project. Those experiences, I think, accelerated my transition in a way that sitting in a classroom where it's more like you're studying out of a textbook or doing a problem set, it was just like orders of magnitude of a difference in terms of the impact in learning. So that was huge for me. And then the other experience, which ended up spanning kind of my whole second year, it was engaging with the entrepreneurship community. So I started working on a business idea. I became part of the entrepreneurship networks at Wharton and then also joined an incubator outside of it. And I think that business school is truly the best time to try pursuing your own idea. And there's a couple of things I would have changed about how I did it, but it really allowed me to think of my classes as a toolkit to apply to what I was doing instead of just like picking up all the tools and then having to figure out how they would apply on the job. So one of the things that you mentioned is that you it, you felt like you took a quote unquote nonlinear kind of approach to taking on experiences or opportunities in, in business school. What was easy about that? What was hard about that? What were the benefits about that? Talk to me a little bit more about what that means. Yes. So I think the recruiting example is probably the best one. I recruited for Mm -hmm. almost everything except consulting. And I, the good thing about that is I got exposure to many different industries and was lucky enough to have a few offers across industry that allowed me to compare and really think about what do I value here? And what it allowed me to do is say for the summer, what I'm going to do is try on a version of myself that is in so far away from what I have experienced before in my career. But obviously there are challenges that came with that. I was spread pretty thin. I was probably, I could have prepared better if I was just focusing on one specific industry for some of my interviews. And it definitely felt I had given myself almost too much optionality in a lot of ways, right? I think that can be a really hard thing as an MBA. You feel like the world is your oyster. And at the same time, having choice can sometimes feel like 
a curse and a little bit overwhelming. So that was one piece. And then the other thing I did that was non-linear, what I would call non-linear, is I picked up a lot of different experiences that didn't necessarily make sense together. I took a class on the environment. I took a class. I became a digital marketing TA. I was just trying to get such a mix of experiences. And I think in a lot of ways that was really useful to in my career as an entrepreneur, but also led to a bit more confusion around, okay, I can do all of these different things and I still don't have my one thing I know how to do really well. What I know how to do really is learn a lot of different things and be dangerous enough at all of them. And that's actually, it's worked out in my career, but it was not as focused as I saw a lot of my peers approach the program. Yeah. And was that challenging sometimes when you looked at how your peers were doing it and how you were thinking about it? Or was that easy for you? Was that hard for you? Or what was that experience like? I think I was so overwhelmed and thrown in the deep end my first year. I just went with the momentum and was like busy enough and intellectually stimulated enough that there wasn't like a whole lot of time to do that anxious comparison. And what was actually really interesting in my second year, we were learning completely remotely. It was during the pandemic at its height. And so I was in my own bubble, literally and physically, where I was dedicating a ton of my time to the startup. I was doing a couple in-semester internships. Like My experience really started to expand beyond the reference point of just my other classmates and like the institution itself. So I think that was really helpful for keeping me grounded and not too worried about what everyone else was doing or what they were thinking about it. And obviously, I think when you're working on your own business, always there's a little bit of <laughs> you, you're so in your own head that you can't really worry about what other people are thinking about. So that was really helpful too, because it, there's just like a survival mode and a passion that comes along with it. Hey there, it's Al. And thanks so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. I wanted to take a quick break to ask you a small favor. I'm loving doing this show and I hope you're enjoying it too. If you're enjoying this episode, I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes to leave a review and rate this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, or simply share it on social media or send it to a friend. I'm incredibly grateful for your support. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. So as you look back, if you think about when where you were before you entered Wharton, and then maybe right after, immediately after you walked across the stage and got your diploma at graduation... If you could reflect back, what were the parts of you that you saw go through the most kind of growth and development and transformation? Yeah. I didn't walk across the stage. We graduated on Zoom. <laughs> that was definitely, that was a, a good challenge. I think when I went back to Penn, I had gone there undergrad and so I felt a level of comfort with it. That was interesting, obviously, to be going through the MBA program, which is inherently a very social program and and to do that in like a virtual environment, I think was uh, a good transformation for me and all my classmates. But I think on a personal level, we talked about this earlier, the ownership of strengths. I think prior to business school, my mentality was, okay, I have to manage all of the areas of development. And even if it's not directly applicable to my career, I just really have to build up all these things that like maybe don't come naturally to me. And I think what I started to learn by the end 
of the program is what I was really good at and to lean into that a little bit more. And I think I actually have a an interesting perspective on and in the MBA program, we're told to stretch ourselves and find all these stretch experiences. But I'm a I'm an athlete and I think if you're constantly stretching, like you're going to overstretch yourself and you're not focusing on strengthening. And so I really started to think about it through like even especially after graduating, that graduation point and beyond is like, you got to strengthen what you're already good at too. And so for me, the stretch experiences now in my life, like I've, MBA has made me really aware of like how I can lean into them more, but it also showed me that there are a lot of things that I'm good at that I need to reinvest into. So I think it was a comfort level with some of my strengths that I hadn't had before and some confidence. And then I think the other thing that was really transformative is I came in thinking there's like this straight and narrow path to success. There's one way to do things. There are people, once you graduate, then you have everything figured out. And I've learned that's actually not the case at all, that most people are figuring it out as they go. And I think what's been really exciting about that is a version of myself now thinks, okay, success is mine for the making. And really the key to it is how you communicate your story. It's not necessarily about what you're doing, but it's about in putting your story out there, first of all, and telling it a way that inspires people and keeps them updated so that you're top of mind when something that would be really helpful in your career comes along. So I think this is partly why I started the podcast. I think I became, I felt that there was a need for, and I started to become more comfortable with sharing my story because I realized there were so many more benefits to doing so than not. So a lot of learnings, a lot of insights in in terms of what you said. A couple of things I just wanted to pull out a little bit further. So one of the things that I observed in my own experience and to often have noticed just in talking with other MBA grads, which is that most people graduate business school between sometime between the age of 25 and 35. And so if we know that's true, the reality is for most of them, they're going to be working for a heck of a long time. So thank God that they, you don't have it all figured out by the time you graduate, <laughs> because there's a lot of life, a lot of life, a lot of work, a lot of great stuff like ahead of you. And I think a learning that I've come to, which I think mirrors something that you said, is just the that really is where the learning begins. And mm -hmm. I think the invitation is, and what you said in terms of it is an opportunity now to really define whatever success means to you and to, to go and know that you have the tools to work towards that. And, and at and various points, if you want to, to redefine it and iterate on it and evolve it as you move along. So that was the, the first thing that I was going to add. And then uh, the second thing that, that I was going to add was just around just this idea that you have, people have to have it all figured out. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to embrace the complexity of not having it figured out. And I think that while many of us partially, maybe through the education system we came up with, were oftentimes rewarded for having things figured out, there is a lot of excitement and opportunity in just exploring and wandering and following your curiosity to to figuring out something and then doing the next thing and the next thing after that. So I just wanted to add those other two two points together. Yes. So I think, moving oh and segue. Go go ahead. No, go keep going. Keep going. I was just going to underscore your point about schooling and how 
even in the MBA program, you can have all of this uncertainty and feel like you're exploring, but it's still with, okay, I know what the next achievement is. I know what the end goal here is. So I think the part we were talking about transformation and growth and what I'm really going through right now is how do I be uncomfortable with the uncertainty without the next end goal in mind, right? There's almost like the MBA, I guess you could keep going back to school, but for a lot of people, MBA will be it. So I think looking out on the rest of your career is really intimidating. And I'm trying to harness, I think, some of that experimental exploration mindset that I had in school now in the real world. So I'm hoping that growth and transformation journey like ends with me feeling more uncomfortable, more comfortable with the uncertainty. But I think MBA is such a good place to practice that because that's what life feels like immediately after graduating. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Okay. I want to talk about something else and I want to talk about your podcast. Uh, but before we do that, I think maybe to set the stage and set the context. So I think part of how I got connected with some of your work is that I know that you were doing a lot of work and writing and also just general, just connecting and thought leadership around ed tech. And mm -hmm. that is in the name of the actual podcast itself. And so maybe before you lead us into talking about your podcast, maybe talk just a little bit about why ed tech and what you were exploring with it when in business school. And then certainly that I'm sure the podcast will play a role into that, but maybe set some context first before you talk about it more broadly. Of course. The logical story would be, I was a teacher. I went to business school. I pivoted into ed tech and that's how it happened if you leave the middle part out. <laughs> but I was exploring, like we were talking about so many different things in business school. I did an internship in banking and PE. I was a VC scout. And it was that was I was really interested in early stage working on my own venture. And what I started to and I got plugged in with the Penn Graduate School of Education, was judging one of their pitch competitions. Obviously my startup was in the ed tech space. COVID accelerated a lot of the growth in ed tech and a lot, it created a lot of interest in ed tech. So it was perfect timing when I had just graduated and I was recruited by a company in Los Angeles that had just raised their series A and they were building an online learning platform for K-12. It was truly destiny. It was exactly the perfect role for somebody who had an education background a degree from like a, a leading business school and then dabbled in it enough, both as an entrepreneur and as a teacher, that I was able to be a little bit of a unicorn in that role. And I really fell in love with the space. Am I frozen? I think so. What I admire so much about that is just the the, and what I enjoy hearing about that is part of what you can do in business school is to explore and experiment with the interests that you have, whether they are professional or, or personal. And the way that you are able to do that, both in terms of thinking about it from a career context, but also as a means to find opportunities to put yourself out there is also how you created opportunities for yourself. And that to me is, I think, sometimes the beauty of taking a more non-traditional or non-linear path when you're in business school, because yeah, listen, like I, I was, I think all the clubs and organizations are awesome, and I was very much a part of them, like a lot of other people are. But I do think a lot of really fun things and a lot of serendipitous things happen when you start to throw yourself either into these ad hoc things or these things that you create on your own. And also, I think what really is comes out of that is like when you start 
building things that just are interesting and exciting and that you're curious about, just good things happen when you do that. Yes, definitely. I think it's, you meet so many more people and it increases your luck surface area. It's just, you never know what kind of if you follow your passions and your curiosity, there's a really great TED talk I love that actually made me feel more comfortable being this way. It's If you search the term multi-potentialate, you'll find it. It's amazing. It's very validating for people who have a lot of interest, but it's just following my curiosity has led me to meet some of the people who have been the most impactful on my career and the most invested mentors. And I think I'm going to continue living that way. I'm taking a yoga teacher training right now. And I'm just like continuing to follow my curiosity and do different things. And I think they all start to come together eventually. It just takes a little longer to see that happen. (laughs) So we have listeners of this podcast who are a lot of times they're somewhere earlier in their career and they're thinking about what the next step is going to be. What advice do you have for those professionals out there who are looking to take that next step and who might be considering an MBA, what advice would you give them or what are the things that you would want them to think about? Yes. So I think there's two ways to go into an MBA where it's useful. Either you know exactly what you want and you come in with a game plan of how you're going to use the resources to get it. I certainly was not in that camp, but I saw a lot of people who were and it worked well. And I think on the other side, so who I can really give advice to is People like me who saw it as an opportunity to change the trajectory of their career and they weren't quite sure exactly what that would look like. So my best advice is that you may feel more lost than you do found. And I think going into this experience, you have to be okay with that. And it's not going to give you all of the answers, but it will give you plenty of opportunities. And I think what's really challenging is to know there are too many opportunities to take advantage of. So like, I really think that both in this process when you're applying and then if you go to school and then making the decisions about where to work, it is really tempting to take pathways that feel maybe more tried and true. There's less risk behind them. But I really see this whole experience, the application as a risk, interviewing as a risk. It's all a huge risk-taking process with a big safety net underneath it. I would encourage you to take the risk of applying and take the risk of trying new things, but also to explore the things you already care about. And then what's really Probably my best piece of advice is that, especially if you're coming in as a non-traditional student, or if you're thinking about applying as a non-traditional student, in so many ways, like you will feel maybe behind or like you don't know what's going on. But in a, in other ways, you may be one of the most interesting people at the school because a lot of people are coming in with these backgrounds that they share Of course, like coming in from consulting, it's a known quantity, but somebody who comes in like me who worked at a nonprofit and was teaching kids entrepreneurship for three years and traveling with their students to Cambodia, like it's a story where someone will say, wait a second, tell me more about that. And you can teach, you have so much to bring and so much to give 
once you settle in, it does take a little bit of settling in at first, but I, I would highly encourage non-traditional students to apply. So by that, like anybody who's not coming in, like having that business background already. And yeah, it was the experience of a lifetime. I would encourage anyone to consider it. <laughs> that is a great way to wrap this up. So Jess Stokes, thank you so much for coming on the MBA Insider Podcast. If people want to check out your podcast or learn more about you, where can they go or where can they find you? Yes. So you can find me on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. It's just dash Stokes is my URL ending. And then I also have a website, just dash Stokes.com. You can check out some of the work I'm doing there. My podcast is on there, or you can listen on your favorite podcast streaming site. Just search for teach me ed tech. And I would love to welcome more audience members and so excited and grateful to be on your podcast as well, Al. Hi, everyone. Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.